Welcome to the Red Hand Podcast. I want to start by saying a massive thank you to everyone who tunes in every week. We've had some good numbers recently. Our goal is to bring you the very best Ulster Rugby content. In return, please keep listening, sharing and engaging in the Facebook group. So you can join. It's a private group, the Red Hand on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. But on the business, Ulster backed up their famous European win over Sales Sharks with a dominant bonus point, 35-5 win over the Stormers in the URC on Friday night in Fortress Kingspan. Nathan Dope, Ben Moxham, Nick Timoney all scored in the first half. Jeff Demaga Allen scored uh, what has become a iconic try for Ulster. And Mike Laurie uh, finished off um, in the second half with another score. So it was a good win, certainly a performance to be happy with, albeit the Stormers weren't at the races. To discuss and dissect the game at the weekend, I'm joined by regular panellists Nathan and Jack, and our special guest this week is A.P. Cogne. So, as usual, I'd like to turn to Nathan uh, to do a bit of a summary for that game in case either you haven't seen it or don't remember the game. <laughs> so, Nathan, could you give us a bit of an overview of some of the key moments and maybe uh, maybe what you thought of both sides' performance overall? Yeah, well, I mean, you can guess what I think of both sides' performances based on the scoreline, I guess. Um, yeah, look, it, it was potentially as advertised, I think, the the, the flow of the game and, and the result based on based on the selection. And, and, you know, as was said a lot during the build-up, and as, as AP will give us more insight on, I'm sure, but the Stormers, um, the, the string that they, second string or otherwise that they sent up. But, look, full, full credit to Ulster. Um, they were very clinical, um, I thought for their first score, there's got quite a lot of errors early on on both sides. Um, but after about 10 minutes, Ulster kind of started cutting out their handling errors. The Stormers didn't. Ulster started getting some scrums um, inside the Stormers' half. And they started some good first place phase strikes, particularly through Stuart Moore. Um, Nathan Doak put some excellent uh, speed on his delivery and the rook feed was good. And, and the Stormers just kind of couldn't really couldn't really handle that phase after phase. And that's kind of where that first try came uh, from Doak. It was kind of fitting that he finished it off because he was quite instrumental in 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 the run of play and the build up to it with his with his passing. Um, and then, but look, we've criticised Ulster in recent weeks for their lack of transition attack. And, you know, if you take away their line out more and you don't give them platforms into the game, or avenues into the game, they struggle. Now, they did get those platforms in the 22 through errors and ill-discipline from the Stormers, but I think it was the second try, wasn't it? It was just a, a thing of beauty where they break from, from inside their own half. You know, a shooter comes up out of the line and, and doesn't hit his man, so there's a big dog leg, but uh, Carter and Burns combine well to get the ball wide. Hugh makes the break, and and eventually um, Moxham goes over. Um, obviously, Timoney gets his, his try from close range um, to end the half, pretty much, wasn't it? Um, and like the second half was more of the same. I thought the the Tumanga Allen try. Look, I think Jeff Tumanga Allen probably got man of the match for that celebration alone. But um, it was it was an excellent score. Again, another really good first phase strike. Moore was excellent on the carry. Then there's a brilliant flat ball from from Doak to Hume. Um, he breaks the line, and there's there's Big Jeff on the running the the Antoine Dupont support line. Um, this you know you got your tight head running the sub half support line, so he did give him some credit for that and. Yeah, look, I think from there the game slowed down. Uh, Mikey Lowry's try was also excellent, wasn't it? Some nice handling in midfield. Uh, Vermeulen put him away, or Vermeulen put, put uh, Moxham away, didn't he? And then Moxham came back and, and fed um, 
and Fed Larry. But I think from there, the last quarter was was very stop start. Ulster, Ulster's forwards on replacement forwards kind of lost their collision dominance, didn't they? Um, and the Stormers kind of got back into it, put some better shape on their attack, and, and you know, and, and got their score to to finish things off. So yeah, like a forgettable last last twenty, but uh, an excellent first hour from from Ulster's perspective. Yeah, and uh, we were talking beforehand. Thanks for summarizing that, Nathan. I think that's uh, we we could almost end there. Um, but like we were talking beforehand about AP's allegiance, and I was mistakenly sort of I th- I thought sure AP's from South Africa. He probably supports the Stormers. <laughs> it's like it's it's so it's so ignorant. But in terms of uh, AP, where do your allegiances lie in in reality? Yeah, so if there are any Stormers fans uh, listening at the moment, and obviously my apologies, given that I'm a Bulls fan, obviously my my allegiances lie in, in Pretoria and, and perhaps that will shape or colour my interpretation of, of the game and my analysis, but I'll try not to be too hard to you guys. Um, but yeah, no, I, I full full disclaimer. Yes, my my allegiance is live the Bulls, and so I'm I'm very much not a Stormers fan. <laughs> well, look from a South African rugby perspective, then how did you feel after that game? Talk us through that performance and maybe where it went wrong for the Stormers. Well, yeah, it's a bit of an autopsy, isn't it? Um, I think uh, as, as Nathan summarised, you know, the, the Stormers weren't really at the races, and I think the certainly mitigating factors there and I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to talking about what, what those might be with regards to players being out and injured and rested and so forth but the fact of the matter is is that as a, as a collective um, the performance was just not what really what we've come to expect from them I think for the Stormers the hallmark this season has been even in the games that they've lost they've been you know they've they've sort of fought and I think from their fans perspective and certainly from a South African rugby perspective it's a bit of a disappointment to see that type of implosion from the side that uh, well is is the best side in in South Africa and is the def- are the defending URC champions you know I think the only time we've seen a similar type of implosion from them is uh, was that second half of the Claremont game um, when they're playing in France so obviously very disappointing um, where did it go wrong well I mean I, I think it's difficult to look past just how good Ulster were, if I'm honest with you. I think that uh, you guys uh, have touched on it, but uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll speak more about him specifically, but I thought Nathan Doak was just absolutely instrumental in, in, in everything good that Ulster did. And I think that the shape um, that they had on attack, that the line speed that they had on defence and just the intensity that with which they played, you know, every single thing they did was with so much intensity. It really looked like... Um, they were sort of out for out for a bit of revenge, uh, and I think that whether that was their motivation or not, obviously they were yeah, at the receiving end of a pretty tough result when they played in Cape Town, and maybe that was that extra fire that drove them. But really, there, there seemed to be real, real energy and intensity, and ultimately the Stormers just couldn't live with that, um, and yeah, they were ruthless. Yeah, thanks for that, uh, AP. Look, I think uh, we'll, we'll move on uh, to talk about the individual performances, which will be interesting, and also about the circumstances, the really tough circumstances uh, Stormers were faced with, both before the game and also um, minutes into the game and, and throughout. Uh, they just had rotten luck with injuries. But, look, Jack, I want to turn to you now, and, and from an Ulster perspective, how much hope does that game give you that Ulster are back on track? Do you think this is a real turning point? I know uh, we had that win against Sale, but is it, is it a turning point? Are we back on track or is it just a win over a poor Stormer side? Yeah, a little bit of both, probably. Uh, the boring answer there, but it's it's kind of true. It's it's something that uh, we certainly needed. So um, 
definitely give me give me a good bit of hope because they were actually you know playing with that zip and that kind of intensity that the guys are talking about and i think that's the that's the main kind of takeaway that i that i took from it is that they started really well they took some they took some they took their scores really well i think the even though the the early setback with the little crossing on the on the line which is a really like really kind of stupid you know little silly penalty that you know you probably shouldn't be given away but it's still you know just back on a horse attack again and and, and sort of go again and then they did they did really well i just thought i just thought that it was it was a very very good performance i think they kind of the game was done really by by halftime and if not halftime 10 minutes after halftime it was like right okay sort of shut up shop and that's where a little bit of the intensity kind of dropped a wee bit but um i'm i'm very happy i'm just i'm i'm just quite happy because i'm going on a podcast after a win because i was beginning to think that i was the uh i was the the, the curse for the uh for the bad luck because ever since i came on these podcasts they kept losing so uh i'm delighted that i'm just talking about a win so uh yeah but no it's um it's a good performance. There was a few. There were a few changes, and um, there are a few guys that that really kind of did well. Um, I think we'll get onto that in a wee bit. But uh, I just thought, you know, overall, you could be very happy with that. But there's certainly uh, room for improvement, which is exactly where you want to be. So hopefully now they've got a wee break and they can come back um, happy, refreshed um, after they've gone to Paris or Dubai or wherever it is they're off to now, the boys. So um yeah just sort of come back happy and you know try and try and keep on this kind of run of form yeah yeah and it's coming a good time as you say look there is this wee break and a lot of the the guys are away at the minute and um uh get the sun on themselves and i just think had, had they lost that game do you know that's hard to come back to and hard to go away on holiday with uh, that hanging over your head. Whereas, like, as you say, there's that there's that sort of sporting cliche if you can only play what's put in front of you. And certainly uh, Ulster played what was put in front of them and did very well. I thought it was generally pretty good. Good rock speed, held, held onto the, the ball pretty well. Stormers were poor. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. Their circumstances, which uh, which we'll, we'll, we'll have to mention here because it, it's not a class Stormers performance, not typical of them at all. So we'll not get carried away just yet, but I want to talk about individual performances now for a second. So Nathan, I'll turn to you now to talk about some performances in that Ulster team. Was there anyone who stood out as having a particularly good game on Friday? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, we mentioned Doak. Uh, It's been a while, I think, since we've seen him kind of put his stamp on a game like that and, and really boss things. Obviously, as we all know, um, they rely on him and Cooney to, to run the show rather than rather than Burns behind them. And, and he did that as well as he has done all year, I thought. Um, just just his speed to the breakdown, I thought, was 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 up there. And his delivery off it. Now, he was helped by, as you mentioned, some some good work from, from pods in front of him with the rook speed. But he took advantage and and more often than not picked, picked holes and picked the right pass. Um I actually, I know Jeff Tamanga Allen got man of the match and he had a couple of big impacts and, you know, was the fan favourite and, and did play well. I, I actually think I would have given it to Stu more. I, I just think that's one of the best game times I've seen him play in an Ulster shirt. He's playing at 12. He's not the big ball carrying option traditionally. He's, the, you know, the silky footballer out, up, out behind either at 15 or at 13. But, you know, he made three or four line breaks on first phase just by crashing through, crashing through first phase defenders. Now, I don't know if that's, because he wasn't respected as a 
as a front door power running option maybe because you know when you think of that 12 shirt and, and powerful running you think of Stu McCloskey and obviously it's a very different body type to to Stu Moore and and maybe there are caveats around the opposition as well but he, he was fantastic um you know he set up the first score with a line break off a of scrum um he had one really nice pass um out the back to 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 Moxham for his score and then again he set up the the two manga allen one with a fantastic angle on first phase that just took two or three defenders out the game led to quick ball and and Hume crashes through so i yeah i i thought Moore was the best player in the park um and i think vermuden was probably close with him as well um you know for last week we saw the return of the big heavy ball carrier uh Vermeulen. this week we saw the the defensive breakdown expert um Ulster did what Ulster do they didn't flood the defensive breakdown they're very selective and and chose to keep numbers in the line but when they did go in more often than not Vermeulen was in there and he was he was caused he caused carnage on on that storm's breakdown and I think he won four penalties um but just by himself so yeah those two Vermeulen and, and Moore really really stood out for me yeah, so and we might go back uh, to a few more stats and stuff later on. We'll turn turn to Jack in a second, but like, I want to get a bit of context for this game. And Ulster fans will know what it's like to have difficulty traveling. In particular, that Seal game we think back to a sort of embarrassing loss where their flights cancelled. We ended up everyone was knackered, and uh, it was just a, it's a day to forget. Now this was a day to forget for Stormers AP, and I know you'll be delighted about that secretly as well. But try and hide your delight. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as you give us this additional context, how, how sort of I suppose I include myself in this. A lot of Ulster fans won't be they'll know the big names uh, for the Stormers, but how second string a team was that? Who were the players missing? And uh, on top of that, like who are the Stormers guys? Do you think who did well? Well, I, I have to sort of tread carefully slightly here because I, I don't want to be sort of in the position where I come out and sort of excuse everything and say, well, you know, second string side. And I, I you touched on it earlier when you said that ultimately you can only beat what's put out in front of you. And ultimately, that, that's exactly what happened. Um, the Stormers would never have considered themselves a second string side. You know, you, you put out 15 or 23 guys you think can do a job for you. Um, but obviously, within that, it, it's impossible not to recognize the fact that on just before the game, they had Junior Pocomela and Clayton Blomikis um, pull out through injury. And then obviously in the first half had those injuries to, to Dan Duplessis, JJ Kotzer and Evan Roos. And to lose a guy like Evan Roos, obviously just back from injury as well, we, we all know that the type of role he plays. And it, they also, I mean, I think that the nature of their injuries was such that they lost them in very crucial positions. So we know that they've they struggled at lock, which is why they had to draft in um, uh, Ruan Fenter, uh, into um, sorry, run from here and into into their squad from from Exeter on a basically a short term injury ringer type type job. Now he's obviously not really acquainted with any of the Stormer systems, and he's straight into he's straight into it. Um, so I just feel like you know, obviously you can't look past the the impact of those injuries. Um, but even still, you know, you also have to then consider that some guys are being rested and you have to question whether that was the right decision for, for a game like this, which which could be crucial come the end of the season. You know, you had guys like Damian Willemser, Angelo Davids, um, Malarba, Libok, Sanatla. You know, they've all on the cusp of being able to return from injury or would perhaps have been ready if needed. So there, there's that question mark as well. But, but I think in, in a more wider sense a question that needs to be asked is how the stormers have managed their players this season because this is something that i picked up on that the bulls were given a lot of grief particularly by stormers fans for for splitting their squad over the course of the season and 
competing in Europe with with what people perceive to be a, a second string squad. But ultimately, when it comes to managing your players across uh, across two fierce competitions, it's sometimes what you need to do. And a Stormers, I think, probably have missed a trick. And we're seeing that as the injuries are sort of piling up towards the end of the season. I think these guys are just burnt out. So um, I think that's something that the coaches perhaps didn't didn't get right. But again, as I said, I don't want to take anything away uh, away from the Ulster performance. Um, you guys have been much more astute than I am at pinpointing exactly who did did very well. But but if I may just just interject slightly quickly on on Nathan Deck, just because I I think there were two moments for me that really um, stood out as to, as to his game management and just his awareness. And and Nathan, you made the point that ultimately he's the guy who runs the show. You know, Burns is almost. It was. It's a very. It's almost a very French system where your nine is your petit général, and and he played that role brilliantly. And I think in the lead up to the Moxham try, if you look at whose decision it was to whip back to the short side, it was his. So you know we we praise the the quick hands in the lead up to it, but ultimately it was his identification of the space. And then similarly for the Tumaga Allen try, that line by James Hume was obviously very you know instrumental as scything, but ultimately it was Doak's decision. Um, it was Doke's decision to to hit him as opposed to the players that he had coming around the corner. So that's what you want to see from your scrum off is that ability to make the correct decisions. And throughout the game, I mean, those are just two moments. But I think he was he was absolutely brilliant and and really right up there along with all the other names you mentioned for, for who's the best player on the park. Yeah, and it's great to see Doke playing um, at such a high level again because I've been sort of talking up Doke for a long time and. I thought he's the next big thing, not only for Ulster, but for Ireland. And I actually thought, you know, if we're talking last season, I would have said, oh, Duke will be nailed on the Ireland squad by now. You know, maybe that was putting a lot of pressure on a young guy. Uh, he went through a, a poor patch of form there, but he's he's proven he has the ability. He's very mature for his age. And I'm delighted to see him doing well again because it was a conversation I had with, it was Tom Savage who, who runs the Three Red Kings Monster site. And he, he was going on about Craig Casey. I almost sort of felt like, Going, I don't don't worry about Casey. Duke is next in line. Yeah, just it's it, it he it is it's it's also his system, and he was and he you know he played he played magnificently in it. Like I said, it's probably the best performance we've seen from this year. But at least in this World Cup cycle, it's it's a style of play that's I don't think it's it's, it's just it's not going to get him into into Ireland reckoning. I I don't think, which is which is you know a shame because his strengths are his strengths. He's very cooney like um, in terms of his ability to to pick up the options and and boss that game. But you know that's that's not how Ireland play, is it? Like you know, being brutally honest, it's 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 Sexton runs the show. Gibson Park supplies him with with some really good quality fast ball. Um, but but he does have the license to to, to snipe and, and break and put in those attacking kicks, which is kind of where that's where the nine kind of they rely a little bit more on nine for for those off the cuff moments of and identifications of space uh, as an attacking threat themselves, either with the, either with the boot or with the snipe. That's not quite Doke, really, is it? Um, Doke is more as as uh, as AP said the, the, in the French mold. So it's uh, you know because you're just mentioning Casey, the debate between Casey and and, and Doke there. In Casey is is that he'll run, he'll come on for the last twenty minutes and just run tired forwards off their legs um, with his delivery and his box kicking has actually gotten very very good as well. So. You know, it's look. It remains to be seen if if Sexton does a Tom Brady and comes back, or if they move on from him and change style. But I think in this current World Cup cycle, as as good as Doak was the other night, and as good as he can be, it's you know, it's it's not what he needs to be doing to get to get Ireland recognition. I don't think, which is you know, it's a shame because the more he plays well, the more he's dominating, which probably puts him further out away from the style of play with the national side. 
That's a very good point. And it's always great to see Casey come on in games because he is he's a live wire. You know, he'd just be an absolute nightmare to play against in those late stages of a game. I just am such a huge fan of Duke. And I think having followed him from sort of academy stage right through, and I just thought I think the chat around Ulster was look, he's the next, he is the next big thing. But there's so much pressure put on young guys coming through. And I think maybe that got a wee bit on top of him. At the end of the day. It's actually largely down to the pack. Do you know, Burns and Doak were coming in for a lot of criticism. If you're playing behind the pack going backwards, you look bad as a nine or ten. That's just the simple facts. Um, but a, a debate for another day. But look, I want to turn to you, Jack. What What do you think were the most pleasing aspects of that game for Ulster fans? And we had a few stats to sort of back it up. Yeah. So um, it was it was essentially um, it's kind of going back to the initial point of the kind of dip and kind of the intensity that they were playing with which is a sort of obvious pleasing aspect but how they kind of got that and how they just sort of picked their passes I thought was was excellent so the the kind of quick rock ball is obviously like you say the forwards laying down a good a good kind of platform which is something that we didn't do against Sale in that first sort of 20-25 minute well the first the first kind of half really we didn't we didn't look after the rock so in this one, I thought I thought that they they really kind of attacked that um, some, at, at times a little bit too ver- um, ver- ferociously, um, which ended up with you know um, Evan Roos's injury. But that's the kind of that's the kind of style that you almost need to do sometimes when you get those opportunities. You have to just go in and, and just kind of blow guys out of the way. So so Doki then had had the sort of time and space to just sort of pick his passes. And in fairness. More often than not, well, throughout the whole game, really, he just picked the the right uh, the right option almost every time. And the sort of the, the sort of I guess it's kind of like a like a boxer. The sort of shot selection always changed. He didn't they didn't just go for you know okay jab jab jab. They just mixed things up a bit. And the pass selection you know further further wide. And then for the Tumang Allen try, it was forwards coming on the hard line around the around the corner attracting all the defenders and it was a mispass to Moore. Stu Moore obviously had a great game like we said. He he break he breaks the line a little bit and you're expecting another forward pause to just come and bash it up. And again it's a wide pass out you know across the face. Um at a really late kind of a very, very late pass to Hume and he 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 glides through easy sort of two on one with Tumong Allen. Um Headquarters is a private fitness facility in the heart of Belfast located just off the Lisburn Road. If you want to get stronger, get in better condition and improve your performance in life or in sport, then get involved with Headquarters Gym. The focus is in small group and one-to-one coaching. This allows you to stay accountable, have fun and get great results from your training. If you're interested in achieving your fitness goals, sign up for a trial month for £99. That gives you 16 sessions for the month and all you need in terms of support and advice in your fitness journey. Get in contact on Instagram at Headquarters Belfast or visit headquartersbelfast.com. A lot of people who play or used to play rugby listen to this podcast. If you're struggling with an injury, lack of mobility, or some form of pain that you've just got used to living with, then you need to get it sorted. Back to Better Physiotherapy is a physio practice I highly recommend. Practice owner John Quigg is extremely experienced. He's worked with professional sports teams such as Ulster Rugby and Middlesbrough Football Club. Back to Better provide physiotherapy, massage treatment, personal training and rehab. They also have an ice bath and sauna in-house, which are fantastic for recovery and health. They're located at the Building Box Gym in East Belfast. Book using Instagram at Back to Better Physiotherapy 
or type their number in your phone now. 075 685 3822. That's 075-685-3822. Get in touch with them and get your aches and pains sorted. Stumer did a very good sort of two-on-one execution for the for the Moxham try as well. So the sort of the basic kind of skills that are obviously needed are are, are there. Um and then just a few other things like I think I think um I'm, I'm not sure the the Ulster rugby website is a little bit kind of hit and miss sometimes with their stats and they're saying that they had less possession in territory during the game which which sort of surprised me because I thought that they were mostly on top we had more entries into their 22 and obviously we got we got a rake of points from that too but the defense was I think was a wee bit improved upon I think they um did a pretty good job there although they were shooting up quite quickly they missed 15 tackles but the tackle success was 93% so I think that's probably where you want to be in terms of like pro stats you know like um if it drops below kind of 95 you're a wee bit kind of concerned if it drops below 90 I think you're really you're on you're on shaky ground there so the fact they were able to just sort of shut the stormers down sure they made errors but um you know Ulster were kind of forcing those errors and um and the other thing that was quite standout was the kicking. Um, so the kicking was like just nonstop, really. I think that the selection of kicks was very clever too. So everyone in the back line kicked at least once. Um, you know, um, I think Larry uh, mixed it up a wee bit more. So that, you know, offered a different kind of threat, whether the Stormers rushed up and, you know, try and try and close him down a bit for his footwork. And then his kicking was was also pretty good. So the variation, which is the is the more kind of pleasing aspect of where I thought also we're getting a little bit predictable in their in their kind of setup, but um, everything's kind of coming together because we're now talking about Vermeulen making big plays in, in games again, which is which is what was lacking beforehand, and that just comes from I guess the sort of the dominance up up front. If you're able to sort of get guys down early, then Vermeulen's going to have more time and space to get in on those kind of um, jackal threats and things like that. So. So, so, so really just, you know, things that they were doing before, but they're just doing it better. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not a, it's not rocket science, but they're just doing things at a higher pace, better intensity. You know, like I said, the shot selection is, is much improved as well. And they're identifying, you know, where those little half gaps are in terms of, or instead of running into brick walls, which, um, you, know, you know, we have been doing for, um, for a little while, um, and yeah, just a, another another mention on Stumer. He like 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 Nathan said, he was just he was just awesome. And he's he's like taking the ball so late and so flat to the line. And and again, sort of the passing was 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 excellent because it's right where he needs it to be, and he can just glide through those those little half gaps. And um and it was just yeah, it was just excellent. It was just very good for 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 you know sixty odd minutes. Um, so it's it's really pleasing to see, and hopefully they can they can kind of continue that. Um. And Ben Moxon's first try for Ulster as well. So, uh, you know, good on him. Is he's that right? A, he's he's, he's only got future. one try. Yeah, yeah. I think that's his that's his first for, for Ulster. So he's been mm. he's been around for a wee bit now, hasn't he? But he's just he's just sort of been off the bench and stuff. But yeah, he got his got his he got his first one there. So so that'll be happy days for him, like so yeah. I know I'm surprised at that, I have to say. Put in one absolutely cracking tackle as well. As try saving he tackle. Did. Um he so did, yeah. I, I'd like to see more from Moxham because he's a big sort of athletic guy and I'd like to uh, I'd like yeah. to see a bit more uh in terms of 
him ball carrying, getting involved. This is like the broken records, like getting the back three involved more. Mike Laurie has no bother really getting involved, but it's getting getting both wingers involved. Uh, and that takes a bit of initiative, you know, from them and sort of saying, like, I'm coming into the line, whether you like it or not, then I'm going to choose uh, choose lines from deep and uh, and get my hands in the ball. Um, no, I completely agree with the, the, the one we keep mentioning, Stuart Moore, great the same, huge fan of Stuart Moore, uh, never really talked about for Ireland recognition, um, well, emerging Ireland and stuff like that, but in terms of the senior squad, he's very versatile, you know, he can play uh, across the backs, um, he's that sort of guy, very skillful, um, indeed, beat a few defenders as you say uh, Jack in terms of the, the stats <laughs> I think it's all over the place because I had to go I, 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 also, know, I don't know where to get them from nowadays I'm like I, URC I, and they're, this, they're different and I'm, I, I think know. there's someone tasked with doing it and they just panic and make numbers up at the end of the game <laughs> because uh, it, it, depending where you get your stats it, they, they come out entirely differently I, I had 58% possession for Ulster um, which sounded about right to me. Some of the other sort of interesting stats for Mullen got around, made loads of tackles and turnovers, but only two carries. And we've seen that a few times for Mullen. Like that's not the player he is. Um, but it is now, though. That that's just that's just that's the player he's been for the last six months, yeah. isn't it? Really yeah. good defensively and breakdown wise, but he's never had that carrying impact since he's joined Ulster. Really, yeah. I know what he, he just I, needs. He just needs one big one, though, like we saw in that sale game. That just that one big carry, just from the goal line dropout, and it was like, oh my god, we're gonna win this, you know? Because it was like, <laughs> we're it, like they're up for this. That's gonna like raise the bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get like a game changing carry. I love to yeah. see those. Yeah. It was like, like those big moments that we haven't really had from him, where he's kind of like, yeah, he's made a couple of carries, or he's made a couple of tackles, or he makes a turnover. But it was like he made like big sort of impacts on on this game so yeah. that's that's why that's why we have them right so yeah and, and the ability to force turnovers i think it's sort of it's a sort of boring ability do you know it's not it's not going to set the well it's sometimes the fans get going i have to say at the kingspan on friday it wasn't a great Again, we sort of returned a lot of empty seats. The atmosphere was okay, not great. Uh, I was about to say turnovers are so significant because they're so disheartening to uh, to the attacking team, and they give you such a boost if you're defending. And Vumulin, um was getting his hands over the ball, and he, he's just got that farmer strength. Do you know where if he's if he's latched onto the ball, you're going to have like there's nothing getting him off that. So like he did very well in that regard. It's quite nice the back row to have now with uh, Harry Sheridan. Keep singing his praises. Uh, Harry's a, a great player, and there's guys who've been talked about more, sort of coming through the ranks. Like uh, is it Chukwu? He's off playing the club rugby, you know. Whereas Harry has really kept his head down, and he just gets around. He makes tackles, um, he hits rocks, and he secures that quick ball. And I think that's plug another podcast. I spoke to Harry a while ago, and that's exactly what he said. Like get as a forward, that's like the basics. Get around the pitch, hit rocks, have really good cardio, get up and up and down really quickly. And look, he's been doing that. And I sort of watched him during that game. And uh, I think Harry's a great wee player. And yeah. um, he's kind of the, the the number six we've been after a wee bit because we've kind of been playing with Marcus Ray and, and Nick Timoney for a while. And they're two two sevens, really. Yeah. Um, you know, they like to surely they like to get a hand on the ball, but Harry seems to just have that kind of uh the kind of narkiness, you know, he likes he get he makes his tackles and I guess 
Sean Reedy was a wee bit like that. Sean Reedy could play across the back row and you kind of be comfortable in, in kind of any position that he picked up. He was very, just very versatile and he could do what, you know, what you needed him to. If it's like, I need you to carry, you'd carry. Um, and, you know, Harry's that kind of number six that maybe we've been, we've been lacking, I think, a wee bit um, in terms of just ball carrying and just being a bit, a bit narky at times. So, yeah, I thought he was, thought he was great too. Well, that's it. Uh, absolutely. Like we've been, we have been crying out for a six for a good wee while now. Even as you say, like there's Timoney, there's uh, Marcus Ray, there's was there Matty Ray as well. There's Raffle as well has come in. They're all sort of sevens, you know. Marcus Ray, Jordy Tudor, Murphy, you know, Jordy, yeah. Jordy Murphy, exactly. All, six point five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but leading towards a seven, I would say, you know, in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but very briefly as well, I think Alan O'Connor and Sam Carter's been a lot better more recently. Again, we mentioned that coming up playing for a contract, maybe wants to stay. And okay, I do. I, I like I like Carter. He's contributing a bit more. He took he sort of uh, divides fans quite a lot. But uh, I have to say, he's been quite good recently. But. Look, all in all, um, pretty pretty happy with that. Um, I think it's fair to say did very well against the poor Stormers team. But I want to go back to the Stormers now and uh, and go to UAP and talk about sort of looking at the now we've reached this stage of the season. There's a week break and um, it's probably a good time to reflect and 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 look ahead. Where do you see in terms of in terms of the rest of the season? Who do you see reaching the URC final, for example? And if you look at those South African teams and Focus on the Stormers for a second, just purely because we've just played them. What would be a good season for the Stormers? Well, it's a pretty tough question. I mean, looking ahead now and all potential permutations, I think I'd, I'd set up shop in in Delphi if I could if I could tell you how it will pan out. Um, I think the Stormers, their challenge will be that they've got a little bit of a break now, but ultimately they've got a very difficult end to the season. They face the Sharks twice, uh, and the Sharks are now very much on the up ever since um, Neil Powell has taken over as their as their coach. Uh, they face the Bulls away, and the and the Bulls will be hungry for revenge. Um, and Loftus is a very tough place to go and, and tour away. So, uh, I think the Stormers actually have a very tricky end to the season, particularly given that they're also in, you know in the Champions Cup knockouts. So for them, you know, who knows? I think their their big focus will be on on getting a victory, at least one win from from those two Sharks games, and then beating the Bulls, which would set them up quite nicely because at the moment although they I think they're still second on the log um, they're very much sort of trending downwards uh, so that would be their concern they've got a pretty tough end to the season it, from the other South African side's perspectives it's the, it's the Sharks who actually have a slightly more gentle coast into the end of the season if you if you want to call it that barring of course playing the Stormers twice but I think they'll feel confident that they can really make up some some lost ground as it were um, and then the Bulls are oh, the perennial also, Rands, I'm afraid to say, I think that they uh, they they have yet to come up and face Ulster. And as a Bulls fan, I'm I'm worried about that game because I can't, I can't really see it see us winning that for the life of me. I think the only game we've won away from home this season was against uh, was against Benetton. Um, but having said that, they've got a, a bit of a stretch of games at home now, and they've looked a completely different side at home. In the last five games at home, they've averaged over 40 points and you know beaten some quality sides in that time, including Exeter. So you know who knows where the Bulls will finish. It'll It'll pose it's a bit of a fool's errand to try and predict how the rest of the season will go. But if I had to pick, um, I, I can't pick a final, but if I had to pick, let's say, semi-finalists, I suspect we we'll might see, well, we will, we will see uh, Leinster there. Uh, we'll probably see the Stormers there. I suspect if Ulster continue as they're going, we'll see Ulster there. And then I think it'll be either Sharks or Glasgow uh, who make up that that fourth spot. Um, so that, that would be my predictions anyway for the, <laughs> for the knockouts. 
Yeah, and look, it's it's very difficult to know, and uh, things are looking brighter for Ulster at the minute, certainly. But I, I wanted I, I've sort of asked this question of uh, of Jack already, but I want to turn to someone who's not an Ulster fan now and ask a similar question. So, Nathan, to what extent do you think Ulster have recovered? So we went through that awful period. Is this a false dawn? Do you know this victory against the Stormers? I wouldn't say it's a false dawn. I would say that the confidence is back in the Kingspan now, and that's huge. Um, you know, they they played two games at home and they've won both. Uh, relatively comfortably, and I think that's what was needed. Uh, it was going if there was going to be a, a two-game spam that kind of got them back into the swing of things. It was going to be this. Um, I think what they're next in in uh, in action and in, in a pretty brutal in what Glasgow Durban double week or something like that, isn't it? So they've got you know they've got their own travel issues coming up. Um, I so I wouldn't necessarily say. That they're straight back into the swing of things because you know we don't know we don't know what side they're going to pick. Uh, those games are during the Six Nations, aren't they? Um, we don't know who's going to be available, who's going to get released from Ireland camp. Um, you know, and and releasing players from Ireland camp for that trip to to the Sharks is is going to be tricky because you can't just release them up the road to Belfast. You know, then releasing somebody to Durban is is a completely different kettle of fish. So look, the the confidence is there, and they have returned to doing what they do well. Uh, good set piece. Um, good first phase ball playing, a good defensive breakdown when they decide to compete. And that was all really important. Um, They needed a game where they had all that clicking um, and weren't just relying on one or two things, I think, which they were against Sale, whereas in this game, they were much more rounded. Um, They have bigger tests to come, as we all know, and that will kind of uh, dictate their season. But but it is important to take this game for what it is. It's a big bonus point win against a side they are competing with for second place in the league. And, you know, home advantage in the first couple of uh, playoff rounds. And I think that win takes Ulster well, to within two points um, of the Stormers, I think. Uh, so that that's huge. So in terms of that, that, that was massive. In terms of what's to come, we'll find out. <laughs> um, we'll find out because it will be a while before Ulster have their first choice team out there. And then when they do, they're playing in Dublin, uh, in the Aviva, and on a nighttime game against Leinster. So, you know, even if it is Ulster being back, they could still... You know, find themselves, uh, you know, losing games again pretty soon. But the confidence is back, and that that's that's what was required. Yeah, no, I think I think we'll win the double this year. No, I'm only joking. I think though we are. Uh, we're certainly things are a lot more positive, but um, we may have it'd be interesting if Ulster had do we always slip up at the business end of the season? But we slipped up earlier now to preserve maybe the business end of the season. We'll get we'll get a few big wins. Fingers crossed. Um, so, look in terms of just looking ahead, Jack. I just want to touch on like selection. In the past couple of weeks, some interesting selections. McFarland's now sort of doing this thing where he's preserving some sort of frontline players and bringing them on later on in the game. Is there any changes to selection that you'd make, or what do you think of uh, McFarland's recent selection? Stick with it, or or would you, would there be anyone that you'd have in there? Um. I think <laughs> it's funny. I think I think McFarland kind of confuses the uh, the Ulster sort of faithful sometimes with his selections. People can't really kind of don't really understand it, and sometimes they sometimes they don't understand the use of the bench uh, a huge amount because I kind of see Ian Maligan sitting there and he, he gets on for like oh, like seven minutes or nine minutes at the very end, and I'm just kind of thinking like, is that really what we need? Like if Billy you know if Billy gets an injury, we've got Ian Maligan who's played like one game in the stinking wet. In, in La Rochelle it's just like 
these guys should should really be getting some more minutes and it's like we can't just rely on 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 Billy Byrne so like a little bit of um rotation I think you can do a wee bit of rotation against Glasgow maybe sort of make a couple of the changes because I imagine the same team would probably or similar to the same team going out against sort of Glasgow and depending on what happens with Ireland if people get called up then maybe but but yeah, you know the the centers are pretty are pretty settled. I think the back row is pretty settled. So um, yeah, maybe maybe you know changing the halfbacks up a wee bit. Um, you know, if you have Cooney in there, maybe Madigan, or if he, if, if Flannery gets back fit, then I'd love to see uh, Cooney play with uh, with Flannery because I feel like that's a good combination um, in terms of sort of game management, etc. But yeah, I think that I think that overall, you know, um selection will be fairly, fairly similar for the Glasgow game. Um I like that. I like that, that back three of, of Moxham, Little and uh Lowry. Um Little, I think, is one of our one of our most underrated and underappreciated players. I think he's just never lets us down. And he's just incredibly, just incredibly good at every all the basics and, and he's got that sort of bit of footwork and speed, which which is obviously helpful as a winger. But uh yeah, um, I I like I like the I like the team, but I would I would like uh, like you mentioned on, on previous pods. I think that you know the likes of some of the younger guys in the squad, like Marcus Ray and and, and Isachuku, probably I, don't know, I I say they deserve to to because I haven't really seen them play badly, but um, as, as you say, they're they're all kind of playing for. Uh, I think they both Marcus and, and Izzy play for um, Balm Hinch, so um, they're fit. They're playing, you know, AIL. So um, I think we should really get them in for for this next kind of uh, block of games going into the to the business end because um, we're going to need we're going to need to manage the manage the minutes a wee bit. So um, I'd like to see some of those guys come back in if it's just on the bench or if it's just for you know one game against you know the Dragons or something like that later on down the line. But uh, I imagine he'll go for something similar. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. It was interesting about Madigan in particular, and uh, he, it's it, it, I think Dan always treats Madigan like he's a an 18 year old coming off the bench for the first time, and let him feel like it, what it's like under the big lights or something. And it's like this is a guy who's played at the very top level. Why are you giving him eight or nine minutes at the end of a game? Give him a half or give him 30 minutes to uh, actually see what he can do, and and, and give him a bit of of match practice because. Inevitably, he'll be out, he'll be chucked in in a pressure moment, and Maligan can cope better than most. But you need to rotate guys in, as you say. Like Marcus Ray mysteriously left out of the squad entirely yet again. Um, there's something going on there, um, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but apart from that, look, it's it looks like there's a bit of depth there now, and the, the guys coming on certainly didn't weaken the team. The likes of Treadwell coming on, you look through Ethan McElroy's in the mix as well. It looks like Rob Little's maybe uh, leapfrogged him. Ben Moxham in the mix as well. No shortage of back back three players. So times times are good in the meantime, anyway. So um, look, I want to just before we finish here, I want to talk very briefly about. Uh, the Six Nations in Ireland from an Ulster perspective, but um, I, I get maybe your views on the 12, number 12 jersey in particular. Who wants to take this one? Who do you think is Ireland's best 12 available? I'll jump in, Peter. Okay. Um, I don't know, uh, but what I do think is uh, I think he will go with Aki, potentially, because he's trusts him 
and he has shown before that he's not afraid to throw him in even though he hasn't been playing for Connacht he was banned for seven weeks and came off the bench against Australia and I know McCluskey has been very good in a poor Ulster side in the last few weeks Um, I just do think that that Australia game where he was ineffective for 50 minutes and got called ashore for a guy who hasn't played in seven weeks in Aki and Aki just he wasn't the winning and the losing of the game but he just had more of an impact I, I think that in an international setting I think that stands to someone like um like Aki so I would that would be my guess um is he the best player no I still think the those talented of those three players is the younger lad Osborne but um whether he plays him or not is is uh, to be honest, actually, no, 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 neither option would surprise me, all three of them, but I would suspect it's going to be Aki. Yeah, you've well, any other thoughts from Jack or AP? I was the 12. Sorry, just just I was I was sure you were going to say Osborne there for a second. I just so I was like, he's gonna say Osborne, <laughs> he is, he is. I was just listening to uh, Gordon Darcy talking all about it, and he was like, oh, no brainer, it's Osborne and Ringrose. It's like, what are you on about? What would Darcy but, know uh, about playing 12 for Ireland? I know, yeah, I was fuming, but uh, <laughs> no, that, that's funny. I, I I also think just on the on the Australia game, I think that was probably just that was probably planned though, right? That substitution at like 50, 55 minutes, it was just kind of like if Aki's going to oh, be on I'm the not bench, sure. if Aki's on the bench, you're not bringing him on for anyone else, and Stu is the likeliest sort of person to come off. That's that's just why I kind of saw if it, it, but if it was planned, it just it did coincide with McCluskey kind of just. <laughs> not having any impact and you know he'd carry on first phase and make ground but then get held up and it's a six seven eight second ball recycle after making ground on first phase that happened three or four times just things like that um you know I, everybody's been talking on twitter in the last week how good mccluskey was during the autumn and i completely agree for those 27 minutes against south africa <laughs> he cleaned up scraps he was dealing with scrappy ball and running through south african uh tacklers really well uh he didn't do that against australia <laughs> and i think that i don't know i just if they if they don't pick him i suspect that will be why but like i said uh neither option will would surprise me purely because they do throw tend to throw in one young kid every year and the yeah. only kid they, unless unless it's stewart on the bench the only other young kid they can throw in is, is osmond like i said i i firmly i yeah. do believe he's the he's the most talented all-round rugby player out of the three he just hasn't played any international rugby i yeah it's it's um I think I, th- I have this like nagging feeling that that's what they're going to do as well. It's like they're going to just go with with Aki and maybe have Osman on the bench because that would make a lot of sense in terms of just having someone who can cover a lot of positions. But that, I, I, mean, sus- I suspect it'll be Jimmy O'Brien on the bench and Hanson Hanson and Low on the wings. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. So I was, yeah, yeah. That, that that's the safer option than than Osborne, I think. Yeah, so it's hard to argue with with Jimmy O'Brien um, or Mac. They, they've both been brilliant, you know, at, at club level, and um, hard to hard to deny them. Mac Hansen played very well at fullback for Connacht uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, you know, those get those guys deserve to be in the squad somewhere. So, just to throw my hat into the ring as an outside observer on yeah. the on the whole twelve debate, which I actually think is quite fascinating, and the three names that you throw up. I think that you also have to consider who, you, who you're playing first up, right? And what Gatlin's Wales will bring as a challenge. And I think that when you consider that, it, it seems to me at least to be a no-brainer that you'd go for either Arky or, or McCloskey. And then I, I think I agree with you, Nathan, that I think it's more likely that it'll turn to, to Aki just because he knows he knows what he offers uh, and, he, and he's trusted him. He's, he's been in that setup perhaps a bit longer. Now, 
you know, long-time followers of me on Twitter will know that I've got a bit of a of a Stuart McCloskey agenda, and I personally think that he offers you more as a player. And I think it would be a bit harsh to judge him just on that on that outing against Australia, particularly as as you said, Jack, that you know, I, I think as well it was a planned substitution because you're not gonna you're not gonna bring Aki on for for anybody other than uh, uh, than the McCloskey in that situation, and ultimately you're not gonna bring on Aki for for ten minutes at the end. You're gonna give him a run. Um, I think it just speaks to, to Ireland's ability really though, to juggle those two as, as the slightly more conventional large ball carrying options. I think that um, Leinster fans are getting a bit ahead of themselves on Osborne. I think that it could be his breakout season, but I don't think it's first game of the six nations starting 12. Um, I think it's probably easing in, uh, you know, performance one or two games in once Ireland or been on a bit of a roll. And then I guess that comes to, you know, the lot of the point that you, you want me to make Peters that you want me to say that I think Ireland are going to be, Grand Slam champions, you know, clean bill of health or the most clean bill of health of all teams, you know, best team in the world, brilliant last season. I mean, the stars are aligning for you guys. Um, and I think that obviously the game that everyone's going to look at is is the French game um, and ultimately whether whether or not you can live with the French pack because the French will be fancying themselves and the Irish are quite rightly fancying themselves as well. So um, I, I mean, I'm not going to stray too far from the consensus in the sense that I believe that it's going to be one of those two. Uh, and ultimately, it's it's going to be that game that that sort of decides it, I suspect. Um, so it'll be a big focus on that one, obviously. Um, but you know, you've got a job to do against against Gatlin's Wales, and and that's always a bit of a, a potential hurdle for you guys. I mean, you should probably expect yourselves to win, and I think everyone expects them expects you guys to win, um, which obviously has made this week particularly entertaining. Just watching the engagement between you and the you and the Welsh fans, Ireland Wales is always a a particular favourite as a as a neutral. Um, but yeah, I think you guys are very well poised and ultimately going into the World Cup year where you know you're going to face South Africa, New Zealand, France and some configuration of those three teams in the in the quarterfinals and, and, and knockout fi- uh, semifinals. You know, it's it's time to to really stake a claim, I guess. And, and maybe this is the tournament for you guys to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a unique combination of, of youth and experience in this Ireland team. You've got the World Player of the Year. You've got world-class players in the pack. There's probably uh, five or six world-class players in that pack. Now, depth is where the issue is, I suppose, for Ireland and always has been. Uh, whenever we get a couple of injuries, there can be quite a drop-off in terms of quality. But just as as we we look at the the Ulster contingent in the Ireland squad, we're talking Rob Herring, uh, Hendy, who I think should start it all. Do you know if he's fit? And uh, Stu, who probably completely biasedly, I, I'd probably have Stu starting at 12 myself. Um, Tom O'Toole's there, thereabouts. He's probably third choice for Ireland and, and Stockdale, who uh, many people um, didn't really understand his selection. Um but Stockdale in his uh, in his prime was world class, and look, if he returns to something approaching that form, then uh, we're on to a good thing. So, like, unless there's any other business, um, I think we've we've discussed all that we we need to. Um, so, guys, thanks very much for your time, and I think it was good chat. Nice one. Cheers. Cheers. William Carlyle Coaching, helping yo-yo dieters stop living their life on a diet and achieve long-lasting fat loss results. We've helped hundreds of dieters ditch the strict, boring and bland diets whilst losing 15 pounds minimum in 90 days. This is all done with the Fit for Life Transformation Programme. It's the counterintuitive approach to weight loss and will change your life forever. 
If you want to know more, grab your phone or pen and paper to write down my social accounts. On Instagram, it's at William Carlyle Coaching. On Facebook, it's just William Carlyle. If you'd be interested in learning more, drop me a message and let's chat. Hello, the Red Hand listeners. This is Jonathan Moore from SS Moore Sports in Belfast. We're just opposite the front door of the City Hall onto Chester Street, where we've been since 1950. We again, like most other years, carry a full range of the Ulster rugby product. We do hoodies, tees, polos, jackets, gilets, scarves, hats, luggage. We do adults and kids. And that can be seen in store or online at ssmsports.co.uk. Hope to see you guys soon. And don't forget, shop local.